This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Born in Turkey to Greek parents, Costa Botes grew up in Aotearoa and has had a long independent career as a director of drama, a run of feature-length documentaries and at least one film that is very difficult to classify, Forgotten Silver. But his latest film really is unique. When Costa heard the story of Andrew Johnstone, the Cambridge herdsman you've heard on WTS several times now, he was intrigued at his friendship with his cows Maggie and Tilly. Costa set out to make a film about the cows, but it has now metamorphosed into a deep, powerful, intimate and moving look into Andrew's life and what returning to the family farm after many years means to him. It's called When the Cows Come Home. Andrew Johnstone joins us back on WTS to talk about the life-affirming process of making Costa's film. I knew who Costa Botez is because I'm a film buff. And one of his films, Forgotten Silver, and one of his short films, Stalin's Sickle, rank among my favourite Kiwi films. And one day I said, there's a friend request on Facebook from Costa Botez. I thought... What does a big top flight film director want with me? So I accepted his request. He thought I was another Andrew Johnston, somebody he knew from school. And he realized his mistake very early on that I wasn't the same Andrew Johnston, but he said he became intrigued by all my cow stories that I'd post on Facebook. And then one day I received a message and he goes, I've been following your cow stories. And he said, I thought that cows were basically numburgers on legs. And he said, you've completely changed my perspective. And uh, I think there's a film there. So he turns up and he, he said, can I come and talk to you about it? So he came up from Wellington and um, bought his camera and he did some preliminary fil- filming. And then he came back and did some more filming. Then he came back and did some more filming. And, and, and in between that, he, um, he sent me a gimbal, which is what you mount your phone on, and instructions to download a certain program that, really ups the quality of your phone video and uh, he said I'm going to be sending you instructions about footage that I need and I need you to shoot it exactly as I say it which is like oh my god (laughs) Um, so I had to I had to I went through this fast process of learning how to make professional film filmmaking uh, on my own with with email instructions and we're doing all this and then he comes down for his final shoot and he goes, I've got some news for you. And I said, uh, what's that? He said, it's not about your cows anymore. And I go, oh, and he goes, it's about you. How do you feel about that? And I go, um, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I really like Costa and, and it had been a very enjoyable process. And I decided just to go with it. I'll just, I'll just, he was very reassuring. He said, I won't. He said, I won't do anything that's going to cause you harm. Um, and I, I said, okay, that's fine. And he made a film about me and um, about my relationship with cows, but a lot of other things as well. And I remember the first time I went to see a rough cut of it 
they they played it at the cinema in Cambridge, and uh, I was quite surprised at how entertaining it was, <laughs> if I can say that myself. It, it's a very funny thing watching yourself on screen. It's um, I felt quite disconnected from it actually. I thought I wasn't actually watching me. I was watching a story, a story that I hadn't never heard before about me through the eyes of somebody else and that was quite an experience I suppose at any one moment you wouldn't be thinking of that wider story as well of yourself you're focusing on the moment aren't you and uh, working as a herdsman um, with uh, your herds of cattle um, out at the farm and indeed with uh, Maggie and Tilly who are the two cows that you uh, that you purchased to mm. effectively be your uh, your pets or friends friends yeah <laughs> Yeah. They're, not, they're not very friendly at the moment because I've got them in a herd. So, so on our farm, we, we, we winter, we fatten cows over the winter. And then in the summer, we, we revert to cut and carry. We, can, we make hay, basically. So um, we have no cows on the farm at that time except for Maggie and Tilly. And uh, when, they're, when, they're, when it's just them, different cows. They're, you know they're very much focused on me they live in my house paddock and I feed them biscuits every day and and we get on but when I get a herd on the farm I put them with the herd because they you know they they really blossom when they're with other cows and uh, so at the moment they're kind of um, their whole attention is, is on herd matters herd politics and herd hierarchy so uh, uh, the only time they take an interest in me is when I turn up and I hold a packet of biscuits up high and if I've got biscuits, suddenly their attention is all focused on me and they, they get very excited. And by biscuits, we're talking like crispies or super wines, aren't we? Arnott's. 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 <laughs> I've tried. I'm sorry, Mr. Griffin. I've tried them on your biscuits. They just, they, they, this is Maggie. If I put, if I put, a, I put a, a Griffin's crispy in Maggie's mouth. <laughs> and she spits it out. They don't like anything with filling in it like a cream filling or anything like that they're just like a nice plain arrowroot biscuit and they like Arnott's the best um, Arnott's arrowroot and Arnott's malt of milk right yes and I can actually put a whole packet of Arnott's arrowroot and that's a big long packet I can actually put the whole thing in Maggie's mouth in one go gosh yeah she's a champion <laughs> absolutely sounds like it <laughs> well it becomes a bit of a frenzy now, now for example they say they're with, they're with the herd so it's it's Maggie and Tilly and 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 a hundred other cow, cows and well they're calves actually so when they turned up these calves were about six weeks old and some of them adopted Tilly as their mum so they suck at her teats even though she's got no teats because she's never had a calf they, they, they simulate sucking. It's just comfort. It's like your cat. If you've got a cat and it's sitting on your lap and it starts to doe and it starts to suckle, they're just, they're just simulating the comfort that they, they remember from their mum. And uh, so now when I feed the biscuits and I hold up a packet of biscuits, now Maggie and Tilly are huge cows. I mean, they're massive. And they can be six or 700 metres away. And I just, all I have to do is hold up the packet of biscuits. And, and my God, they are so big. You think they couldn't run, but boy, can they run. And, and all their little mates come with them, and it becomes a feeding frenzy. You're trying to give them biscuits, but everybody's fighting each other for prime spot in front of the biscuits. Um, uh, Tilly, Tilly does, they don't want to share. They've, cows are very altruistic. They actually look after each other very well and look out for each other. But when it comes to matters of treats 
it's just all out warfare. It's Ukraine versus Russia. <laughs> yeah. So did Botez originally intend the film to be sort of like an anthropological look at cows? That's That was what his plan was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. there's obviously a, a lot to that. I mean, I just watched a, a screener of your film this morning and I saw uh, for the first half hour or so, it is mostly focused on uh, on the cows and on their, um, on their emotions and your relationship with them. Like you literally uh, uh, play with them. They can signify to you when they want to play, at least Tilly can. They, they all do. Um, cow, cows... Yeah, people say to me, I hear this all the time, but cows just stand around all day just eating. That's all they do. Well, that's not all they do. I mean, yes, they have to eat a lot. A cow, a, 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 a cow over a year old, she'll need about 10 kilos of grass a day. And she's got four stomachs, so she's got to process that, and that's the, the cud chewing. Um, so they, do their, they have their feed session, they do their cud chewing session, then they might have a little sleep, and then it's playtime. And cows love to play with each other. And they have their, their mates. So every cow in the herd has a mate. And that's a really strong bond. And they'll groom each other. And they'll play with each other. And they might join in with a big gang and have a bigger bigger play. Or an unfortunate, we've got, last count, we've got 80 pukekos on the farm. And a stray pukeko might wander into the paddock. And boy, there's nothing more fun than chasing a pukako. <laughs> you want to see a hundred cows chase a pukako, because it's not cruel, because the pukako can just fly off when she wants to. But um, I've seen them with I've seen them with a hedgehog. You know, hedgehog survives fine, but uh, anything novel they love. Um, so so cows have this great life, and they have a very full life. And 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 there are they have bonds with each other. You know, it's it's an emotional life, it's a practical life. And it's a life of fun, but it's very fulfilling if you're a cow. You're quite an advocate for uh, the bovine species then, and uh, you yourself are a vegetarian. Um, how does it feel working on a, on a farm then where the cows um, ultimately get sent off to slaughter, as was shown uh, in the film, and quite, a, um, quite an emotional scene. Emotional by default, I think, just showing what happened after hearing from you about how social cows are mm. and about how much personality they've got and then seeing them led onto a, a, a truck with cattle prods it's not particularly violent it's not particularly uh frenetic but it is it is sad there's a feeling of sadness there so so, so how do you deal with all those emotions as a herdsman just put it from my mind I have to yeah, yeah this is not the life I would have chosen for myself this this life chose me and and I stumbled into it by accident <laughs> so, you know when I moved back to Cambridge and I needed a job and and um, I got a job working as a gardener caretaker for a local factory I didn't realize that it came with 12 cows and as soon as as soon as the the the, the guy was just showing me around he, what what he wanted me to do, and he said, "Oh, and the cows, you could look after the cows." And I'm going, "Well, really?" And um, and it just clicked with me straight away. I just felt it was a vocational thing, you know. I really wanted to look after these cows, and I couldn't wait to get to work. Hated the rest of the job, but couldn't wait to get to work to be with the cows and 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 hang out with them. Um, so I'm answering several questions at once. I'll move on to the vegetarian thing. Um, 
I was a teenager when I gave up eating meat. I, I, but I never liked it. Even as a kid, you know, mum would serve up mince or a roast and like the vegetables, but I'd look at the meat and it just didn't feel right to me. It just didn't taste good. It didn't smell good. And I, I was viscerally aware that this had been hacked off a living creature. You know, it was a creature had been killed. And I felt those things. So I've never been, I've never been a meat eater. I've never had any taste for it. And that brings me up to now. Um, I mean, I really do love my cows. I mean, I really have strong, passionate feelings for them, um, for the herd as a unit, and and I like to make sure that they're cared for properly, and and they have a really, really good life. And I'm, but I'm well aware that I'm their friend, but I'm also the guy that's going to send them to their deaths, and it's not easy. And I think the best way to cope with that is not to think about it too much. But I have talked with other farmers. I've asked them how they feel about it, and uh, dairy farmers, um, and beef farmers, and yeah, if you get them with their guard down, pretty much every farmer I've ever spoken to will say, "Yeah, it's not easy. It's not something I enjoy." Yeah, because mm, I suppose you've be- built a extended relationship with those animals. Um, tending to them, feeding them, looking after them, making sure that they have a quality of life Mm. for the time that they are effectively working animals on a farm. Yes, yes, and and, and of course this is the heartbreaking thing because by the time I finished with them, they're super quiet. You know, we don't don't have canine helpers and I don't have a four-wheeler or I don't have a motorbike. I just do it all by foot, and I do it all by teaching them. Now, cows learn. This is the thing that surprises people. Cows learn instructions really fast, like in a couple of days. Um, you take you take a cow shed, for example, which is a very a modern cow shed is a very complex piece of machinery, and a cow you can train a cow to navigate the complexities of a cow shed in a couple of days. They figure it all out very very fast. So. I get, I get cows on the farm and they're often very feral. They've come from big, big beef studs. They've had minimal human contact. Within two or three weeks, I can have them so quiet that I just have to make one call and they'll all come running to me. And they'll just stand around and I can pat them and, and rub their backs and I can talk to them. And, and, that's, that's all, and, and that's another thing about dealing with cows is being present with them, you know. Um, uh, rather than just just sort of leaving them to it, I always make an effort to spend a little bit of time with them every day, even if it's just hanging over the fence, and and they'll see me, and the whole mob will come up, and they'll just stand there looking at you, chewing their cuds, and and I'll tell them what good cows they are, and and, uh, and that's how you build a relationship of trust with them, yeah. But it was only this morning, I was just, uh, Facebook memories threw up some pictures this morning of some cows from last season, the ones that I sent to slaughter, and there was one cow there, a little a little Hereford called I used to call Fozzie because she looked like Fozzie Bear from um, the, Muppets. the Muppets. Yeah, and uh, she was a great little cow. She had personality. She had character, intelligence. She she was aspirational. She wanted to be herd leader, and the the herd leader of that particular herd uh, was a very strong, bossy cow. But little Fozzie would follow her around everywhere and, and learn off her. And I was looking at her picture this morning and I was thinking, you know, you've been dead for a year now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Promising yeah. life, gone, just like that. Mm. Yeah. 
quite sobering. Now, um, with the, as befits the name, When the Cows Come Home of this film, a, a focus of this of your of your relationship with your cows and the herds that you oversee um, is the life that you have come from and you ha- you're basically returning to the family farm after a life in uh, journalism sales writing uh, musicianship um, a lot of things of course uh, which you keep doing in your spare time um, but uh, yeah um how how would you describe um would you say the your relationship with the cows sort of reflects on your life experience what you've been through oh absolutely i think so you know um i can remember it was my first job after leaving school was a farm job that's how i learnt my skills but you know i was a young man you know young men's heads are dumb coming full of what is, what, what is it? What's the saying? Young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are. I mean, you are. When you're young, you're racing around. You're on a farm bike. It's like you just, you know, you're just, you just, you know, you're just full of energy and speed. And you know, even though I was aware that cows were more than society considered them to be, even you know, when I started out, my instincts were telling me, you know, and I, I was observing without observing. Um, uh, but I'm still embarrassed and ashamed of my neglect and my lack of empathy sometimes when I was younger. And of course, I've had a whole life since then. And um, and I'm 60 now. And going back to that, uh, yeah, you're a lot clearer. You're, you're older, you're more settled in your thoughts, you're a lot more conf- confident in yourself and your own skin. And so I was able to reapproach cows with, with, with the thing that was naturally in me but a lot more refined, you know, and I, and I think, um, well, well, actually, that reminds me of, of a job that I had a couple of years ago. I, I worked as a relief milker on a sheep dairy near Cambridge, and uh, the guy who managed it was a little bit older than me, and he, he was he had all these, he was employing lots of young guys, and he had very strict rules for their conduct, like no speeding on the bikes, you've got to be 20 metres behind the sheep when you're bringing them into the shed, you know, no retaliation if somebody kicks you in the face when you're when you're putting the cups on. You can't punch them back. You know, it's animal welfare to the fore. And um, I thought, well, that's that's the work of a mature man who understands his flock, and he understands their need, their emotional needs, and he's structured the whole farm to operate um, around their needs. And I think that's what a little bit of maturity does to you too. When I come back to the cows. Whole, whole different approach and believe you me sometimes <laughs> it's very hard especially um, when they escape like uh, on Sunday morning I uh, so our farm we've, we're bounded on three sides by um, roads and uh, um, we we do tend to get burgled from time to time so I lock the road gates at night um, on Sunday morning I unlock the road gates and uh I went right down the back of the farm to where the cows were. I didn't realise that a group had escaped overnight, and I know why they escaped, because one of them was on heat, and she broke the gate, and a little mob followed her out. And there I am, I'm trotting off down the farm, and here's this group of cows running straight at me, and I couldn't stop them. And they went, this is a kilometre, and they ran all the way with me (laughs) running behind them, and the road gate was open. 
and this is State Highway 1B, extremely busy road, and I'm going, oh my God, here it comes. There's nothing I can do. And just at that moment, a jogger appears on the road. And the cows are, are really just a metre from the road, and I yelled out in my loudest voice, stop the... I'm not going to use the next word, the cows. <laughs> and um, he did. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't have been familiar with him, so they wouldn't have wanted to go near him so much. No, no, they were frightened by him, mm. Yeah, um, yes. But, uh, yes, yeah, so it can be trying at times when you, when you farm the way that I do, uh, because cows have a mind of their own. They don't just fall into line and do what you want all the time. Sometimes they do, um, especially if they're hungry. They're very compliant then. But I don't, I, I don't feed them in a way that they ever get hungry. Uh, they've always got their bellies full. And that's problematic because when they've got their bellies full, um, they're not, they, they can get a little bit mischief. <laughs> <laughs> so when the cows come home, uh, part of the real moral of it, as it were, is um, being your authentic self. And that's, that relates to what you were talking about uh, just before. Um, you know, when you were a, a young person, you're obviously everybody is more egotistic, and you're wanting to find out who you are and what principles make up who you are. But uh, w- would you say when the cows come home, sort of shows you coming back with that true authenticity and em- embracing it in uh, in the work that you do and the relationships you have with uh, Maggie and Tilly and the rest of the herds? Oh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Um, if I was to examine my life and, and, and sort of sum it up, I would say that I've spent most of it running away from who I was because I didn't want to be... Because I'm a recluse by nature, and I didn't want to be a recluse. I wanted to be in the mainstream of life. But but I never felt comfortable in the mainstream of life. I always felt more comfortable on my own, hidden away, um, with with a, a life of the mind. You know, at a, you know um, li- living inside my own head, and I didn't realise how unhappy I was until I was back on a farm and it was just me and the cows, and uh, and just that relationship and and the responsibility of looking after them. It just sort of refocused me and I suddenly thought well I'm just going to be who I am from now on I'm not going to try and fight it anymore I'm just going to give up on my ambitions and dreams and my wannabes and might be's and just accept that um, I'm not like others I've just got to do things my own way and I've slipped back into I've slipped into in fact I very very rarely leave the farm and I find it really hard to leave the farm and I find it quite hard to be around people um, and 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 I've never been able to admit that before, but now I do. Yeah, which doesn't mean I don't like people. I like people a great deal. Um, I just find it very very hard um, dealing with 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 the noise and the voices and uh, um, my coping skills with people aren't great. Yeah, the world is busy and noisy uh, in every way. And what I did notice in the film as well was that the people who were interviewed for their input uh, into it uh, were such as your mother and father, your sister, uh, your friend Jeff Leyland. Um, rest, rest in peace, Jeff. Rest in peace, Jeff. Um, Richard Swainson. Um, so they're all people who've had very close, and Grant Hislop, um, the editor of Rip It Up. So, so and, and former founder and former owner of the Rock and the and the what's the other big radio station the. Um, 
the edge the edge yeah, yeah. in hamilton yeah yeah because those uh, stations of course both started out here so those people are people who've had very very close involvement in your life and what it reflects is that yeah you really are you really are coming home you 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 have come home and you are focusing on the on the really important things in life uh, over all the noise which i think is something that can resonate with um all of us and certainly with other farmers in new zealand they would have the same sort of insular relationship with reality wouldn't they in in their farms well, it's a very interesting statement, insular, insular reality. And, you know, that just sort of provokes a, a lot of responses in me, actually, Gary, that statement. And uh, the first thing I want to say is, you know, yeah, you do, you, you're on your own a lot on a farm. Mm-hmm. And you're facing a lot of problems all the time. You've, you're being asked to solve problems and on your own without any support or anybody to, to, to assist you, you know, and, and you've got to deal with the stress of things. Like, like, for example, my stress at the moment is that we had a very, we had a six-month drought in the Waikato and we came into autumn with no extra feed. Um, the autumn rains came and that was the first feed we'd had for ages. So at the moment, I'm just, I just have enough feed to uh, keep ahead of the cows. Every time the rain, the skies open and the rain starts, or we get a few frosty days, it knocks it all back. So it's very stressful. Wondering, the first thing, first thought I have every day when I wake up is, oh God, have I got enough grass? You know, I've got to go, I'll go out and do a farm walk, move the cows around. So uh, farmers, this is their world. This is what they're living. And we hear about farm suicides, which is an epidemic, and you can see why people get like that. You know, I, I can fully understand how those stresses can completely unwind people. And I can also fully, while I don't agree with um, groups like Groundswell New Zealand, for example, I, I, to me they're the antithesis of, of all that's wrong with, the, with, with rural society in New Zealand, um, which is a very controversial statement to say, I know, but I don't like that kind of reactionary politics. But I can also understand how some farmers feel. You know, they, they've got... Urban, because New Zealand's one of the most urbanised countries in the world. And even though we think of ourselves as a rural nation, we're not a rural nation. We're an urbanised nation. And we have the, the disapproving voices of the city telling us that we're bad and we're ruining the water and that our, our practices need improving. We've got all these new rules coming in for, for, about water quality, about the use of nitrate fertilisers, etc., etc. And I can understand... I can understand, while I don't agree, I can understand how farmers react badly to that. It's just, how do I cope with all this? You know, it's just too much. Personally, me and a couple of my other farming friends, we just, you know, we embrace progress, but not a lot do. Yeah. So, yeah, farming farming is a very insular, a very, very insular reality, but, but it's also got its rewards. You know, you're free from the burden of the of the maddening crowd you know it's um you don't have that you're free from all the noise and the and those kind of pressures and and and, and those kind of things that's a real gift you know and, and you don't realize how wonderful they are until you've got them and you, you don't realize how how shallow a lot of activity is 
until you've got time on your own and you're listening to the birds and um, and you can that's your whole day is the hearing the wind whistling through the trees you know the breeze and uh, and and you can hear hookwing plovers and pukakos and 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 uh, the cows cows don't make much noise uh, despite when you ever see cows and in, in films they're always mooing actually cows hardly ever make any noise at all mm, i've noticed they're not very they're not particularly vocal uh, communicators they communicate in other ways mostly body language Mm. Yeah, as we see in the film when the cows come home, which is yeah. which is great to see. Like I say, that um, that perspective on the on the social uh, social side of cows is really great to have in the film. Um, but as we say, um, or as you say, it's a story about you as well. So, um, and, and that's what um, Costa Botas intended when he was making the film. Now, this is going to the New Zealand International Film Festival and also going to be rolled out around the country. Yeah, so I think it's 28th of July. It debuts at ASB Bank Theatre, Wynyard Quarter in Auckland. And that's the first screening. And then um, I think it goes to Wellington after that. And then it comes to Hamilton. And I'm not sure what happens with it after that. Uh, um, and I think the film festival run finishes at the end of January, at the end of no, at the beginning of November, and then it goes on general release. And I think our f- fingers crossed, our first screening on general release is going to be at the Tivoli in Cambridge. That'll be fantastic. It I'll will definitely be. be there for that. Yes. And uh, and now there'll be a screening at the a premiere screening at the Lido Cinema in Hamilton. I understand. That's right. And uh, I think the Hamilton Film Society are, are doing a screening as well. Um, and I'm really pleased for Costa. Uh, now, people keep on saying to me about my film. Actually, it's not my film. It's, it's Costa's, Costa's it's film. Costa's film. It's Costa's vision. I'm, I just happen to be the, the poor sap that stumbled into it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very grateful to it because it's, it's actually added... No, Costa's actually become a, a beloved friend. Um, you know, we, we've really bonded as mates. Um, and that doesn't happen a lot in life. Um, uh, uh, you know... It's hard for blokes to make friends sometimes, mm-hmm. so we've we've got that, and I've had to uh, reevaluate myself very firmly through Costa's lens, which has been extremely helpful. Uh, I think I've come out of it a better person. Um, uh, and there was something else I was going to say, and it's completely slipped my mind, Gary. Uh, it's it, it's it, it, Costa's film. I'm very happy for Costa. Um, uh, a lot of this is not public yet, but but um, reviews have been coming in, and um, this they're, they're saving that up for the release. You know, the publicity company, but the reviews have been piling in from people who've had, like yourself, who've seen this, seen the film screener, and there's not been one bad, effective, all been rave reviews. And for a filmmaker, for an artist, um, I think this is Costa's fifteenth or sixteenth film. Um, and possibly his last one, um, because he's not well, and um, uh, he doesn't know if he's got it in him to make another one. He, it's it's just a it's a triumph for him. It's a real validation of his work as an artist, and uh, and you know there's nothing like getting good reviews. Mm, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've noticed. So I'm very reviews. happy for him. Yeah, mm. yeah. Fantastic, awesome. Anything else you'd like to add, just for the one? Um, yeah, well, there was something I was going to add um, about the cows, uh, and, and you asked me earlier, and I didn't really answer it properly about playing with the cows. Now, uh, you want to initiate a, g- a game with a cow, you walk up to her, 
and you lower your head and you pretend you want to head butter. And she'll go, and she'll get all excited and she'll start jigging around and then she'll start headbutting you. And, and I play that game with Tilly all the time. Tilly, uh, the other thing that Tilly likes to do is she likes to me to hold her head. And I like to, she puts her head right up against my chest and I rub under her eyes. She loves to be massaged under her eyes and she loves a little rub on top of her nose and she loves being tickled behind the ears. But God help you if you put your hand on top of her head. <laughs> yeah. She takes, for some reason, she hates that. And, and she'll tell me by giving me one hell of a horrendous bunt. Now, it's not meant maliciously. She's just telling me, don't do that. Don't touch me there. I don't like it. But of course, when you're like four tons of, of solid muscle, um, just a gentle reminder, bud, um, bunt is like being hit by a 10-ton truck. I have uh, been knocked four or six numerous times I ended up in lying in cow shit thank you very much Tilly <laughs> yeah well it must be a big job being at the head of a head of a herd leading a herd mm. of hundreds of tons of meat <laughs> <laughs> head, heading out uh, uh, just to, to graze in a paddock now and I should uh, can I mention Maggie yeah now we've not I've not said much about Maggie she's Tilly's mate now, now Matt Matt Tilly was easy to pick because she was outgoing, intelligent. She, the day I, the day I, I came onto the farm, and this was the herd that I was to look after, she just marched out of the mob and came straight up to me and made, made friends. Mm-hmm. And when I decided to keep her, um, I, I had to buy her off the owners, and then um, she needed a mate because cows don't like to be on their own. They're, you know, they're sociable creatures. So... Uh, Maggie just happened to be standing next to the gate and I thought well there's my chance and I, I just got her out the gate and uh, she had no particular now this does I don't mean this in a mean way but she had no outstanding qualities that made her stand out from the herd um, she's she's quite an anxious cow not very keen on people um, unless you've got biscuits you've got biscuits a different story <laughs> um, but what I've learned about Maggie in the time I've had her, she's the most altruistic cow. Um, for example, um, when cows get on heat, they ride each other around, um, simulating sex. And sometimes they'll, they'll fall off the back of the cow they're riding and injure her leg, and they'll, they'll be lame. And uh, if there's a lame cow, Maggie will devote herself to the lame one. She'll just spend her time with that one because they fall behind the herd so she'll just go and walk with them she does stuff like that she's always looking you know you, if you're looking out of the if I, if I go down to check them in the evening before I come into the house she'll always be looking you can see her she's looking around all the time she's the guardian of the herd and she's just a wonderful wonderful herd cow and uh I've got so much respect for her. I just think she's the most amazing little creature. Even though she doesn't have the outgoing personality of Tilly, she's still a magnificent creature. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.